Amen. He's better, isn't he? It's a great song. That was written from uh, Pastor Will. How many people, when we release our album, are going to buy buy the Brooklyn Teen Challenge worship album? All right. We're about we're about nine hundred thousand nine hundred and ninety short of a platinum album. We're almost there. We're almost platinum. Maybe you could all buy two or three. <laughs> no. But uh, hopefully, uh, Lord willing, uh, in the next year, we could have something out um, so we could share with the rest of the world the blessing and the talent that God has given our worship team. Amen? Amen. Are you guys ready for the word? Yes. I hope you are. The Lord's been talking to me this week about a, a portion of scripture that I want to share with you uh, tonight, I believe, uh, that he's going to encourage us and speak to our hearts. How many people want God to speak to them? Matthew 18, verse 1 through 6. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as a little, ch- little children, you by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a millstone hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. The title of my message tonight is Big Daddy. With, with, with the deepest Barry White, is that his name, Barry White? Yeah, Barry White voice, Big Daddy. Big Daddy. Who is the greatest? The disciples asked Jesus. Who is the greatest? You know, I find this to be a funny question, but a common question. Because it's something that we as people always think about, talk about, debate about, ask. Who is the greatest? I'm a big sports fan. And I listen to sports radio. And one of the most common things that you'll hear is, who is the GOAT, the greatest of all time? Is Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time? (laughs) No, he's definitely not. But. Who's the greatest, LeBron or Michael? This month, some might have said Kobe because they're feeling a little sympathetic because of what happened to those nine passengers. But there's always a discussion of who is the greatest. As people, we're always striving to be number one. We're striving to be the best, striving to be recognized, to be noticed, to be appreciated. It's a normal 
emotion, a normal feeling, a normal thought process for human beings. We all think about being the greatest or being the best in our field or being the, the, the best dad we can be, the best mom. Uh, in your vocation, I want to be the greatest. It's a question that we ask. We look at the disciples and we say, man, that's foolish. Why would you ask Jesus who is the greatest? And obviously, we know what they were hoping for. Each one of them as individuals was hoping Jesus was going to look at Peter and say, Peter, of course you're the greatest. John, of course you're the greatest. James, you're the greatest. And they were debating back and forth, hoping that they were going to be Jesus' right-hand man, that they were going to be considered the most important, considered the greatest in the kingdom, and that, that, that as, as they believed at the time that Jesus was going to be uh, some great political a giant, there was going to be a great political movement and they would be right with them and they would be marching forward and, and for generations and generations their names would be remembered. Who is the greatest? They asked Jesus. Who is the greatest? And when I think about that question, the obvious answer to me would have been Jesus saying, I am the greatest. I mean, it says in Colossians 2, chapter 2, verse 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and power. Jesus is the greatest, yet he didn't say, I am the greatest. Colossians 1 Chapter 1, verse 15 and 18 says, He is the image of the invisible God, talking about Jesus, the firstborn over all of creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. For him. Not just through him, but everything in creation was for God. If you can get that revelation, it'll change your world. If you understand that you were created for him, not him for you. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may be preeminent. He is the greatest. Jesus is the greatest. But yet he didn't say, I'm the greatest. In fact, Scripture says in the next verse that he called a little child to him in the midst of them. He grabbed a little child, pulled the child next to him. And he said, Surely I say, unless you are converted and become as a little child, you will know, by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And I always look at this scripture and, you know, we've always said, oh, do not suffer unto me the children. Jesus loves children. And if you've grown up in church, you know, they had children's church and, you know, they have these images of Jesus with the kids on his lap. And that's all true. And that's all true. And Jesus does love children, born and unborn. But this is not what he was talking about here. He was using the child almost as, as a prop, almost as something to describe what they were asking. And when you read into this, you think, well, well, he's talking about somebody else. But what I discovered this week 
in looking in, into some of the original language of this text and reading some uh, commentaries and just going to the Lord in prayer and talking to God about this was, was, was that Jesus was, was, was talking about others, but he was also talking about himself. What are you, what are you saying? What are you saying? Well, he says here the word that you need to be converted as a child. And the word convert in the English language means to cause change in form or character and function. But if you look at the original language in the Greek that it was written, and now I know we have somebody that speaks Greek here, so I'm probably going to mess this up. But the word strepho, how do you say oh, It's okay, right? It'll work. It's S-T-R-E-P-H-O, strepho. It means to turn oneself back from one course of conduct or to change your mind. What he is saying is he's not saying a child is the greatest, although children are great and God loves children. But what he's saying here is that for somebody to be the greatest or to be considered the greatest, they have to be converted into the mindset of a child. And you say, well, 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 he's talking about me and you. And yes, he is talking about me. But if you think about this portion of Scripture, not only was Jesus talking to them, but in some senses he was even talking about his human experience because Jesus had to be converted as a child in two ways. A child, as in a child, we know that, 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 that God was always in heaven, always, always is and always was, and that, 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 that God impregnated Mary, and, 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 and unto us a child was born, and there came Jesus. So Jesus was born a child, and he was a person, and he lived the human experience, but he also had to learn how to be a son and to be a child to his heavenly Father. He had to learn how to obey. He had to learn to, to, to be provided for by his heavenly Father. He had to learn to be directed by his Father, just like you, and just like me, he had to be converted into a child, a child of God, somebody who is a son. And you say, Paul, well, that sounds, that sounds a little sacrilegious. You're putting Jesus down to our level. But I'm not. But I'm not. Because the Bible is very clear that the word became flesh, and the flesh walks among, among, among us. Jesus went through all of the human experiences that we went through. So he not only had to go through the natural course of becoming a child, but he had to go through the spiritual course of becoming a child to his heavenly father. That's why when Jesus, right before he went into his ministry, at 30 years old, when he was baptized by he, I mean, when he was baptized by, by John the Baptist, when he came out of the water, what did God say, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. This is my son. So Jesus himself, God in heaven, had to come down not only to become a child in the physical, but he had to learn how to become a son of God and depend on God the same way that God depends on you to be a son or daughter, the same way that God expects you to be a child, to be provided for by your heavenly Father, to be guided by your heavenly Father, to be protected by your heavenly Father, to be defended by your heavenly Father, to be loved by your heavenly Father. 
Jesus became a child and learned how to walk this thing out. Why? Not only to come and to experience the human experience so that the Bible is clear that he became uh, and that he, that he suffered all of the things we suffered. He was tempted the same way we were tempted, but he did not sin. And that he, he endured it all the way to the cross. He did it for that reason, but he also did it to be an example to me and you. Do you know that God came in the flesh to die for your sins, but also to show you how to live? That he loved you enough, first of all, to come out of heaven. As Philippians 2 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, meaning it wasn't a lie that he was equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So Jesus himself was converted into this mindset that they're talking, that he's talking about in Matthew 18. To become converted as a child. It's not that you go back, just like you, the Bible says that we must be born again. We don't go back into our mother's womb and be born again. Spiritually, we're born again. So we don't go backwards to being a child, but we adopt the mindsets and the characteristics of being a child as a child of God. Uh, how many parents do we have here? How many fathers do we have here? Right? When you look at your children, you've protected and you protect your children. You provide for your children. You lead them the way they should go. And God wants to do the same thing for you. God wants to be your heavenly father, and he wants you to be his child. And he wants you to depend upon him like a child depends on their parents. My kids don't wake up wondering about where they're going to sleep, where they're going to eat, where they're going to live. And God wants us to be as secure in him, our heavenly father, as our children, or we were when we were a child, is dependent upon our parents. He wants us to have that, that level of trust in him that a child has. He wants us to step into that mindset as a child and come and just trust. Come under his leadership. Come under daddy, your big daddy. The one that wants to take care of you. The one that wants to love you. The one that wants to provide for you. The one that wants to protect you. The one that wants to know you and knows you. Come on, if you're a parent, you know you can look at your child and you just know things that nobody else knows. You, you, can, you can just look at an expression on their face, and you can know what they're feeling or what they're thinking. I mean, when I'm around my mother, I, mean, I could think that I'm faking it, and she'll just be like, what's bothering you? I'd be like, nothing's bothering me. What are you talking about? She saw me from 30 yards out just by the way I was walking. And if the, a human being could be that sensitive to their child, how much more your heavenly father be sensitive to you. He wants to be your daddy. He wants you to be like a child, trusting in him, believing 
in him. Feeling confident in him. Jesus said, you must be converted and become as a little child. And then he goes on in verse 4 and he says, therefore, whoever humbles himself as a little child. That's, that's something we all have problems with. There it goes again with the humbling stuff. Everybody wants to be humble, but nobody wants to be humbled. That's a dirty word, right? Being humbled. Jesus, once again, came out of heaven and humbled himself to be a man. But yet we find it so hard for us to humble ourselves and put ourselves beneath the care of our heavenly father. You know, what I found so, so interesting in this portion of scripture is that as it says in verse 3, where it says that you must be converted as a child, the word there that's used, once again, we're going to the Greek. So I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to spell it, because I'm probably saying it wrong. But it's, it's pardion, P-A-R-D-I-O-N. And it means a young child recently born. It means a child. It means a child, a kid, an infant, a baby. That's what that word means. But as it shifts over to verse 6, go to verse 6 if you have it. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a millstone around his neck. Now, I found it interesting because he's talking about children and he's talking about a child because he brings a child alongside him. He uses the child as a, as a prop. He uses the child to describe what, he, what he's saying, giving you a picture of what he's talking about. And he uses this word pardion, which means child. But then he's in the same teaching, the same discourse. And he goes on and he says these little ones. He still has the child with him. But he's using a totally different word there. And the word that he uses there is micros. And that word is spelled M-I-K, my Mikros, M-I-K-R-O-S, Mikros, I sound like a real Greek. Mikros. And what that word means is that word means, it doesn't only mean, it could mean smaller, but it means lower in rank. It, it could mean least or less than. It's the same word that's used in, in Matthew chapter 10 where where Jesus goes on earlier in the, in the book of Matthew, he says, he who receives me, he who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. But he who receives a prophet, the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man receives a righteous man reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of the disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Now, in this portion of Scripture, he doesn't have a child with him. But he's talking about, number one, he's talking about himself. He's talking about a prophet. He's talking about the disciples. He's talking about a righteous man. And then he calls them what he's talking about, little ones. Because what he's saying in that portion of Scripture 
when he says uh, that, that, that it's better that a millstone is tied to your neck. He's not just saying if somebody uh, uh, takes one of these children and, 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 and harms one of these children or causes one of these children that believe in me any harm, it's better to have a millstone. He's saying, listen, if anybody takes any one of my children, anybody takes any one of my servants, anyone takes any one of my sons, any one of my daughters, no matter how old you are, what your age is, any rank that you are. He says little ones because the prophet is the little one. He says the disciple is the little one. The righteous man is the little one. What is he saying? He says that I will back up and I will defend any one of my children, that I am their defender, that I am their provider. I have their back. And no matter what's going on, if somebody comes against my people, I'm their big daddy. The big daddy. It's the same word that Micros word in, in, in Matthew chapter 13, 31, 32, where it says another, uh, it's the parable of the mustard seed. And it says this, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which, which a man took and sowed in a field, which is indeed the least of all these seeds. That word least is the same word micros, the smallest, the less, the, the least of these seeds. So what he's saying is that, is that no matter what rank you are, no, no matter where you, you see yourself, no matter what your age is, what your position is, that this is one of my little ones, and it ain't nobody messing with my little ones. And that's got to be good to know that your heavenly Father stands over you, that he loves you, that he protects you. He wants to provide for you, give you, and keep you from harm. And he wants to lead you in the right way. And that's why he gives us the word. That's why Jesus was our example, because he's trying to show us how to lead us the right way. Because he doesn't want harm to come to you. He doesn't want you to be in lack. He doesn't want, he, he doesn't, he doesn't want you to put yourself in bad circumstances, in bad situations. Man, I don't know how many times I've heard people say, Oh, well, you know, you know, I left the program. The Lord led me, and I wound up living with this in this crack house, and I was in this, and then I eventually wound up using. Like God does not lead His children into that mess. He does not lead His children into that mess. You can't, you can't put that on Him and say He does that because my God is a heavenly Father, and if my earthly father wouldn't lead me that way, my heavenly Father's not going to lead me that way. And I say all of that, that he is trustworthy. He is good. And he loves you deeply and dearly. Hallelujah. Don't mess with God's children. Don't mess with his children. But you know what else this means too? And I don't know if you're going to shout about this. If he says, don't mess with any of my little ones, I want you to look at the person sitting next to you right now. And I want you to say to them, you're one of God's little ones. We might as well just go home now because if you're getting what I'm putting down here, is that just like God's got your back and just because the Lord loves you, guess what? That person sitting next to you is God's little one too. And you best start treating people right. You better humble yourself. 
You better put that person first. You better come under and submit. He submitted from heaven and came out of heaven for you. Then can't you come down just a little bit for the person sitting next to you? And that's who's the greatest in heaven. Someone that will come out, come down and submit themselves to God first and to the fellow man. You can say, well, you know, I love God, but people, I can't deal with people. Listen, if you ain't treating people right, you can't tell me you love God. Because every time I'm in God's face and he's in my face, he tells me to love my brother. He says to put my brother first. He tells me to esteem this person greater than myself. That's the Bible I read. That's what the word I read says. So we can run around and shout around saying, God's got me and I'm getting God's favor. Well, how about the person next to you? How about treating them right? How about giving some of your lunch to them? Come on. Because that's God's little one too. One thing that irritates me is the disunity amongst the believers. I understand it in the world. I understand what's going on out there in the streets. But what I don't understand is when it's going on inside the house of the Lord. Because I got to love you. I can't, tell, I can't say I love Jesus and not love you. I got to put my money where my mouth is. I got to put my money where my mouth is. And in this house, we love each other. In these four walls, we take care of each other. In this house, when someone has a need, we come together. Because don't get up here shouting up and down if you won't take care of someone. Lord, help us to love each other. Lord, help us. Forgive us. Lord, we repent for not treating each other right. We repent for backbiting. We repent for putting ourselves first. I repent, Lord, for putting myself first, Lord. Father, these are your little ones. This is your little one. That's your little one. She's your little one. Hallelujah. 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 A child, their identity is found in their father. If you look in Scripture, it never says, it'll say, Jesus, aren't you Jesus, the son of Joseph? Aren't you Joshua, the son of Nun? Isaac, the son of Abraham. Because their identity was found in their father. And you didn't mess with a son or you didn't mess with a daughter because who their daddy is. A child finds their identity in their father. A child is protected from their father. A child is provided for by their father. And a child will naturally trust their father. And he's a good father. He's a perfect father. He's a heavenly father. He's not like some of the earthly fathers. He's not like my earthly father. He's not like your earthly father. He's, he's a good father. 
and he's your neighbor's father. We honor you, Lord, tonight. Jesus, he said, this is who the greatest is. And nobody lived that out by example more than Jesus. He was God. He is God, and he became a man, and he learned to be a son. And he suffered everything he could suffer, the worship team could come, to, to, to put his love on display for you. And regardless of whether you ignore him, regardless of whether you receive him, regardless if you ever shout and praise his name, he would have done it for you anyway. But he wants you to be his little ones. He wants to care for you. He wants an intimate relationship with you. He wants to heal you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to guide you through life and give you wisdom. He wants to stand with you. But you have to convert yourself as a little child. And he wouldn't have told us that we had to convert ourselves as a child if it wasn't a natural thing. And then he goes on, you have to humble yourself. So what is he saying? He says, listen, this is going to be an act of your will. He says, you can't even get in, enter the kingdom of heaven until you, you convert to the mindset or change your mind as a child. So you can't be all puffed up and proud and say, I got this. Because he resists that, the word says. He says, I resist the proud, but I have grace to the humble. So you're going to have to humble yourself. And you're going to have to come under his lordship and say, you are my Lord, you are my Father. Hallelujah. He wants to be your defender. Some of the things that I was thinking about as I was preparing this message, sometimes I take them takeaways, and they're just things that I take away from this portion of Scripture. And the take, thing I take away is Jesus really is the greatest. He's the greatest without even saying he was the greatest. He didn't even say he's spoken... Uh, uh, a parable. And he says earlier in the book of Matthew, he says, they ask him, why do you speak in parables? And he says, because the mysteries are, are for God. And he goes on to say that, that, that he does that because not everybody sees it. Only those that search. So you look at this, and he answered their question without ever answering their question. He said, who is the greatest? He could have said, I'm the greatest. But he described himself when he did. He came down as a child and humbled himself. Nobody could have done it more. Nobody went lower than coming from heaven to be a son. So he's the greatest. Jesus is the greatest. Jesus is the greatest.
Jesus led by example and became a child. We stand in our right place when we humble ourselves enough to be cared for. He wants us to humble ourselves enough to be cared for. Stop taking our own will. Stop, stop, stop saying, I got this, God. I don't need you. That doesn't work. I didn't make this up. This is his words. It's in red in my Bible. He said it. He wants you to be like a little child, and he wants you to humble yourself. The other thing I wrote down is God takes care of his children. He takes care of his children. And the other thing, we need to take care of his children. We need to take care of his children. Take care of each other. Let's stand. Take care of each other, Lord. The one that's the greatest is the one that lowers himself the most. That's why he said, Jesus, what are the commandments? He said to love God and love each other. And we try to complicate this whole thing. Complicate this whole thing. Jesus, you are the greatest, Lord. We honor you today, Lord. We thank you for this word, Lord.